Hi everyone, I'm Riley Blanks, your hostess and the creator of Woke Beauty, a storytelling platform reimagining the everyday act of self-celebration for and by all women. This show brings you unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries who have developed personal success despite trauma and hardship by leaning into grit and discernment. We explore the messy interwoven realities of mental health, holistic wellness, intricate family dynamics, racial complexity, and the exceptional discoveries that lead to fulfillment. This is our pledge to the power of resilience and the impact of perspective. Today's guest, Carly Johnson, is a non-toxic living expert, certified health coach, Hashimoto's patient, and advocate, and the creator of Frolic and Flow. Frolic and Flow is a space for simplified, reliable wellness information for those in pursuit of taking care of their own health and the health of their families from a natural point of view. Carly is the co-creator of the Healing Hashimoto's course and host of the Doing It Different podcast. She lives in sunny Austin, Texas with her husband. My favorite part of this interview is when Carly dives deeper into her approach about free medicine. In a world where self-care is so often a marketing grab, it's refreshing to hear tips and tricks that cost nothing at all. Good morning, Carly. Good morning. It's almost afternoon, but it's still morning. Yeah. So good morning. <laughs> it's cozy and cold here, so it still feels like morning. It does. It kind of feels like morning till night. It's weird. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I am honored to have you here in my presence in this little makeshift studio. Yes. Thank you for having me. I love your work, and it's awesome to be able to connect today. Thank you. Um, okay. So we're going to start sort of from the beginning. Tell me more about your time in the Peace Corps as a health volunteer. I read a little bit of your um, work with them, and it just sounded really interesting and honestly like a different experience than what I've heard most commonly in regards to the Peace Corps. It sounds like you had a really positive experience with them. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Yes and no. I think I had an experience that covered all the, the entire spectrum of emotions, uh, success, failures. Um, so after college, I went to the Peace Corps. Um, I specifically requested to go to Africa as a health volunteer because in college, um, I had volunteered at an HIV AIDS orphanage in Tanzania. And I absolutely fell in love with the work and the epidemic. Um, as strange as that sounds, it was just so fascinating to me because it's a health issue. It's a politics issue. It's a socioeconomic issue. And I love learning about it. So a few years later, I applied to be in the Peace Corps and I went to Namibia, which Namibia, most people haven't heard of it. It's a small country Mm -hmm. above South Africa and it was actually a part of South Africa until apartheid. And when apartheid ended, Namibia broke off and it is the second least densely populated country in the world. So you can drive hours and see no one. Um, I was on the Botswana Namibia border and I was working in the Kalahari desert And I was a health volunteer, like I said. Um, My project was interesting because my bosses were actually in Washington, D.C. 
So they, the funding was coming from DC and they wanted to look at how we could build community health volunteer programs where the community could take notes and bring information about different illnesses, pregnant women, um, symptoms to the clinic and have the clinic respond. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was in charge of facilitating that project and the volunteers and making sure it was running smoothly and everyone knew what they were doing and when they needed to report data. Um, and the project ended up failing. Um, they ran it in three different areas in the country and mine was, uh, extremely rural. They also did semi-rural and the semi-rural project did really well, but just the nature of the area I was in, people live two hours from each other. Um, and it made it really hard to get to the clinic, to turn in data, to report, even to go to your neighbors and understand what health issues they're facing. That's really interesting. And so you mentioned something about um, working with HIV, especially between mother and child. Can yeah. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So I part of my job was also working in the clinic with the nurse who was there. And there we had a cohort of HIV positive mothers and HIV positive people who we would help treat. And um, we also did a lot of education and work around reducing mother to child HIV transmission, whether that was education, whether that was handing out condoms, um, making sure people were compliant with certain medications. So that was a lot of my work around the mother to child transmission. And with with HIV positive people. Very, very cool. Um, was that, did that feel rewarding? Was there success in that or was it like a, a constant battle? Yeah, I think there were a lot of successes, but there were also failures. Um, it's an extremely poor area and country um, in terms of the population, not necessarily the government. And so there's a lot of heartbreaking moments and there are also some really big wins. And I think everyone in the Peace Corps experiences awesome moments where they feel like they're helping and contributing and making such a difference. And then weeks or months where they're like, what am I doing here? I'm not helping at all. Um, my message isn't being heard. I'm not really contributing. And yeah. I definitely felt those fluctuations. Yeah. Um, and so alongside doing that work, what was your lifestyle like? Were you there for the full two years nonstop? Did you ever come back to the States? Yeah. So this kind of ties in with my love life and okay. my husband, but so when I was there, my life was interesting. I lived two hours on a dirt road from the closest city. So from the closest grocery store, from the closest police station, uh, post office, I was out there. And I didn't have friends around. Um, I lived at the school with all the teachers. Um, and I didn't have running water in my house. I showered outside. I did a lot of bucket bathing. Um, and then I would have to hitchhike in to get groceries about once every two weeks. Wow. Yeah. And to answer your question, did I stay the full two years? I didn't. I ended up leaving about 16 months in. My boyfriend at the time, he came out and visited me and ended up living with me in my village for a month. And then we went and traveled around Mozambique and South Africa for another month. And I realized at that point that I really wanted to be with him that another year long distance relationship from yeah. Los Angeles to Namibia wasn't going to work. And um, my project was failing. Like I said, we lost funding. So I just said, hey, I'm going to go home. My project's coming to an end and my relationship's super important. Um, and I still think today it was one of the best decisions I ever made because I ended up marrying my boyfriend mm -hmm. later, much later. Um, and 
that's really important to me. Yeah. That's yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing that you had such an impact regardless of, you know, I don't know we, how we define failure anyways. Right. But, um, and found love and like basically a big part of your life, you know? Yeah. So. I, I had met him six months before leaving. And when we met, I said, you know, I'm going to the Peace Corps. This has been a goal of mine for so long. I love you, but I have to do this. Yeah. And so I really did get to do both. I ended up having what I look back at as an awesome time in the Peace Corps. And I still have my relationship today. Through some of our discussion, you've mentioned that your body deteriorated. Um so we're jumping, I don't know how far forward we're jumping, Yeah. Um, but we're moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How did you succumb that? How did you deal with that? What did that involve? At one point, and this was about two years after I'd gotten home from the Peace Corps, so I don't know if there was much correlation except for I was on antibiotics for an extended period of time uh, for anti-malarias, mm. uh, but my body kind of failed me. Um, there was a point where I was experiencing so many different symptoms. I started working from home from my job um, because I didn't have energy to go in the office and really just be around people all the time. Uh, and the things I love to do, I kind of stopped loving. I had rashes everywhere. I already told you my energy was just completely depleted. And I went to five different specialists. I went to a dermatologist. I went to an ENT because it was hard for me to swallow. I went to um, a gynecologist for a severe HPV. All these things were happening. And no one could figure out, or it took a while to figure out that I have Hashimoto's, which is the most common autoimmune disease, actually, especially amongst women. Um, it's really an epidemic. And I had gotten to a place where my thyroid wasn't functioning. I, for people who are familiar with Hashimoto's, my TSH was at 150, which is super, super high. And I just felt awful. So that was kind of the point in time where I had to look at my health from a completely different perspective. I had never really considered health before or needed to. Um, and my Hashimoto's diagnosis and healing from Hashimoto's what has been probably the biggest thing in my life that has shaped my direction and kind of changed um, where I thought I was going to where I am now. Okay, I really want to talk about that because that's like a goosebump moment. Um, but I just want to make sure we understand what Hashimoto's is. Yeah. So it's an autoimmune dis disease. Yes. Um, it's the most common in women. It's right? the most common in general. Oh, in general. Yeah. Okay. And um, what, I guess, what makes it what it is? Like why, what separates it from any other autoimmune disease? Why is it so common is there something something in the water? Um, <laughs> it's a great question. And we don't know exactly why it's so common, but we do know that a lot of women um, during puberty, when they are postpartum and when they're going through menopause, will have Hashimoto's mm -hmm. and be diagnosed with Hashimoto's, or that's when it will start. Um, so but maybe hormone, hormone it, related. It is, it is hormone related, but it's also connected to a lot of gluten sensitivity, which I know which now I know I have, um, and toxicity. Our thyroids are really sensitive. Um, they're connected to our HPA access, our adrenals. So if we have a lot of stress, it can affect our thyroid. Nutrient deficiencies can cause autoimmunity. Um, and so we don't know exactly why it's so common, but it's, it's an epidemic, like I said. I think it's one in 
12 women will be diagnosed with Hashimoto's at one point in their lifetime. Wow. Yeah. And I had no idea what it was. When I was diagnosed, I was like, Hashi, what? Like, I've (laughs) never heard this word before. But I later found out that almost all the women in my family have it. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So is there something there regarding genetics or is that just happen chance? So in order to be diagnosed with a autoimmune disease, someone needs three things. They need the genetic disposition. They need leaky gut or gut dysbiosis, and um, an environment that is somehow triggering autoimmunity. So I think at that point in my life, I have had all three of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're so knowledgeable. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you. It's truly amazing. I mean, I I don't know. I just feel like if there's any, any ever an issue like regarding health, you are the best person to go to. Oh, that's yeah, so, so nice even of you. Even if it's just like a quick I am DM. still learning so much. No, I love it. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've I've had to learn myself. I When I was diagnosed, I was given medication from my endocrinologist. And I asked her, is there anything else I can do? Can I eat differently? Can I change my lifestyle? And she said, nope. All you can do is take this medication. We're going to hope for the best. If we need to up your medication, we will. And I did not start feeling better on that medication. So I started Mm. scouring the internet and I read all these stories of women healing themselves, reversing their autoimmunity and, you know, living a great life, which I wasn't doing at the time, um, changing their lifestyle, changing their diet and looking into different factors like the food they eat every single day. Is their home toxic? Um, What are their stress levels like? All these different components that can really help a person with autoimmunity feel better, feel like themselves again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I decided I was going to take this on holistically. And when I did that, when I made some changes, I started feeling better. I healed. I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. I'm back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I got really hooked on how food is medicine, on how we can heal ourselves on lifestyle changes that people need to be be making and it changed my career it changed how I live my life then and now um, and really my outlook on what we've been conditioned to believe as a society um, as individuals as well so can we juxtapose you mentioned that your life wasn't going well while you were doing all this research and going through this sort of transformation so What was it like then? So at that point when I was being diagnosed and even before I was diagnosed, um, my, I didn't feel well. Uh, like I said, um, I was fighting with Austin all the time. I didn't have the energy to do the things I loved. I would, I usually see my friends all the time, go out with them, get dinner with them. That kind of fell off just because of energy. Um, and I'm trying to think. I was really normal. Like I, if you think of the average person, I ate out all the time. I had coffee at 2 p.m. because I couldn't get through the day without it. Um, I skipped breakfast. I thought like eating low calorie and low fat was the only way to sustain like a small body or whatever it was at the time that um, I was trying to do. And I never really stopped to think why I was doing certain things in my life or why the norm we created um, existed. And I think 
if we compare that to now, I feel so much better because I have healed my Hashimoto's and my autoimmunity. I look at things from a completely different lens. And I should say my relationship's a lot better too, partially because I'm feeling better and partially because I've worked on my relationship so much. Um, but I look at things from a different lens as well, like in every component of my life, whether it's politics, whether it's my relationships, whether it's health um, and just societal, societal norms, I am so much more likely to scrutinize mm-hmm. how we live live, how I live, why I'm willing to take a step back and look at things and say, you know, even if everyone else is doing this, it doesn't feel right to me. I'm going to go in a different direction. Um, so if we're comparing the two times in, in my life, it's, it's apples and oranges. Yeah. It sounds like you have a much higher, um, awareness level, not just for yourself, but for everything around you. Yeah. And I think what sparked that was looking at how conventional medicine Mm -hmm. was a was approaching my disease and realizing that there was so much more I could do. And if I looked at it differently, then I could change the outcome. And I guess saying to myself, what else out there are we doing wrong? Are we looking at in such a stagnant way? Um, And how can I look at my life to, I guess I'm kind of blanking on words, but how can I look at my life um, in the same way Mm -hmm. and find different components that are also stagnant mm-hmm. or that I'm just following, you know, in the, the flood of life ev- yeah. with everyone else. Yeah. Um, and I just don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, it's brave. Um, cause I don't think it's easy. Now we're going to sort of segue into, I don't know, the more nitty gritty details of what you're talking about. But first, um, since Austin's come up a few times, I want to hear more about your married life, about finding work-life business, uh, business, <laughs> work-life balance. Whoa, business brain. Um, <laughs> what does Austin do? Austin is a consultant. He owns his own company. Okay. And so you're he, both. <laughs> yeah. <go-getters>. We, <laughs> we both work from home. Okay. Uh, he'll pop out to go to co-working spaces a little bit more than I will okay. just because if I'm on calls with clients talking about poop in like the <laughs> library it just doesn't work um but yeah he's a consultant he owns his own consulting brand oh, brand and company he works with online businesses so people who sell things online and he has worked with so many awesome companies I'm so proud of him um like Four Sigmatic and Butcher Box and Stance Socks and he specializes in customer retention so mm. um a lot of email stuff a lot of uh, website optimization but he's doing really well that's awesome yeah, yeah that's so needed yeah I was I went to a few talks at Austin Startup Week I do think it's so important especially for other businesses. Okay, so you're both entrepreneurs. He's in and out sometimes. I still imagine that that could get close quarters at yeah. times. Oh, totally. Um, um, we yeah. see each other all the time. We're around each other all the time. And I think it's amazing. It's great. We get to have lunch together so like four days a week or um, sometimes we have breakfast together. We do what we can. But it also means that we have to carve out and be so much more conscious about the quality time we spend mm-hmm. together. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So what does that look like? Um, usually walking together daily. We're always like walking is the reason we're together. It's the reason we have a healthy marriage just because we spend so much time outside, leave the phones behind or put them on airplane mode, talking about our days, connecting, working through things. That's really important to us. So we, since we do work from home, we try to have like a separation, um, work days over walk and then kind of like personal life starts. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I feel the same way about walking. It's yeah. actually, I think there's something to be said for like allowing your body to be be moving totally and so that your brain can kind of be jogged 
yeah. I don't know. It's almost like EDMT therapy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm taking it a little far, but I don't know if you know what that is, but like it's kind of an activation of the brain, right? you know? And so I feel like when you're walking, there's a rhythm there. And yeah. so then your brain syncs with the rhythm. Yeah. And then if you're with someone like... Totally You're sharing in that rhythm. <laughs> yes, and it's rhythm, just our rhythm, habit. Rhythm. Like we we rely on it. Yeah, definitely. No absolutely. matter where we are, if we're traveling, if we're that's home. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, okay, let's go into more health. Yeah. Um, so free medicine. That's yes. like your your big thing right now. Um, tell me what that means, what that looks like, and your favorite forms of free medicine. I do think a lot of people have the misconception that medicine is this like expensive, corrupt thing, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't and have it to can be. be. It can be this expensive, corrupt thing. And I'll take a step back and say that I work with people to reach certain health goals. So generally when I'm working with a client, I'm referred to them by a functional medicine doctor and they are working towards various things. And a lot of times, no matter what their goals are, I'm working with them toward um, on their diet, on movement, on stress and sleep, on their toxin exposure, and then on their community, happiness, mental health. So throughout our work, some things do cost money. Like certain supplements cost money. Um, buying higher quality food, it's going to run you a little bit more each month. But there are also so many things we can do that cost zero dollars that are really healthy and really imperative and I think go back to the basics and the foundation of health so some of those things like you mentioned are like we already talked about walking um being in the sunshine daily seeing friends is so healthy cultivating a community stretching um I just wrote a list of like a hundred of these things Mm -hmm. I'm blanking on a lot of them but doing things that make you feel good, mm-hmm. um, that don't have to cost a hundred dollars. And so free medicine is my way of talking about the little things that add up, um, that make us feel good, that empower us, that get us outside, that get us moving, that get us back in our bodies. So, um, it just made me think about discipline because it's so hard. I don't know, sometimes to take care of yourself, Definitely. you know, and I, I recently heard, um, this benefits many things, just going to bed and waking up at the same time every day. Mm-hmm. And if you think about when you're a little kid, like that's how your parents, you know, schedule you. They're yes. like eight o'clock, go to bed. <laughs> yep. Bedtime. Six o'clock, wake up, you know? And it makes sense. Like your body, <laughs> back to rhythm, your body <laughs> needs that rhythm. It needs a schedule. I think totally. it functions that way. Totally. But it's so hard. Like if you watch shows, you know, or if you, you know, like I sometimes work till eight and I don't want to eat at dinner at four. You know I, I know. Mean? So like there are all these obstacles. Um, so how do you stay disciplined with not just maybe a schedule, but with giving yourself that free medicine? You know, like how do you how do you say, no, I'm going to stop, especially as an entrepreneur, I'm going to stop responding to emails right now. Or I'm not going to take this client at this time on this day because I need those two hours to recuperate and recover. Yeah. How do you manage that? I mean, I'm not claiming to be perfect. So (laughs) that's good. Yeah. (laughs) Like I do really well some days and other days I'm on my phone way too much. I feel, you know, an EMF headache just from all the technology that's been around me and I end up eating a crappy dinner. Um, not necessarily junky food, but just like not a complete 
wholesome dinner around eight o'clock. So don't think that I have it all together, but I do have a few things I do that make me feel good. And usually when I feel good, I make better decisions um, for that day. And then also for my day tomorrow, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So like if I'm in a good space and I've had a productive day, usually it's because the few things I've done in the morning have really propelled me to be in a good headspace. And that night, I like am more likely to want to make choices to increase my productivity and happiness then and tomorrow. What are those things that you do in the morning? Um, I have a few things I do in the morning. I'm not one of those people who has like a really strict morning routine. Like I wake up at 6 a.m., I do X, Y, Z, and I'm done in 27 minutes. <laughs> um, I really like to do a facial massage. Um, so I will get oil on my hands and just like, you know, massage my face. What kind Um, of oil do you use? Anne Marie something. Um, it's like a natural organic oil. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I will make a hot tea, uh, always. I always have a hot drink in the morning and I usually hold that while I'm meditating Mm -hmm. and I only meditate for like 10 minutes. It's nothing major. Um, those three things are really big for me. What kind of tea? Mm, sometimes herbal, sometimes I'll do a green tea, but I really like fennel and nettle and, um, rose. I love rose. Yeah. Yeah. Numi makes a really good rose uh-huh. tea. Yeah. yeah. Do you drink coffee? Uh, I used to drink coffee, but I haven't in two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Why? It makes what me crazy. Okay. Yeah. I think inherently and on its own coffee is very healthy. It's the, it's very high in antioxidants. Um, there are studies that show that coffee drinkers live longer, but it doesn't work for me. Um, it makes me feel anxious, fluttery, and it just, I can't do it. Yeah. I, I've just grappled with coffee because I love the routine of coffee. Oh yeah. And I love the way it smells. And I just think about the Folgers commercial and it's so lovely mm-hmm. and like warm and cozy. And, yeah. Ugh. But I don't know if it's for me. And digestive wise too. Like yeah. it can it can mess you up. Yeah. I don't know. It's, Pros and cons, guys. It, it is um it is very comforting. I love the smell whenever my husband doesn't drink it either. It does different things to him digestive wise. Mm-hmm. For me it's all mental, like mm-hmm. it makes me crazy. Uh but whenever we're at friends' houses who are making coffee, I'm yeah. like, Oh, this is what a morning should be like. Yeah, that smell. It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle with when people are like, What's your favorite? coffee or tea it's like why do we have to have these favorites yeah even if we don't drink coffee if we love the smell of it yes why do we have to pick I do matcha I I, that is like if if I were to pick one favorite morning drink Mm -hmm. my blended matcha with coconut butter and a little bit of cinnamon and some ghee it's like a bulletproof matcha it's really good yeah that sounds delicious yeah (laughs) (laughs) um now I want all these things okay let's dive into birth control I'm super super interested in learning more about it and like my own journey I had PCOS when I was a teenager and I played tennis at a high level and so my body was pretty out of whack and so the whole reason I went on birth control was to like monitor that and you know which is so common yeah and so um it was about like you know I was hormonally out of balance it was about getting me back into balance so it kind of made sense um But now I don't know if it does, but I've been Mm -hmm. on it for 10 years. So like, you know, it's terrifying to think about going off of it. Yeah. Um, So I was also on it for 10 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, Started middle of high school and ended just a few years ago. So it was a big part of my life for a really long time. And I was on the pill and I also had the 
hormonal IUD. Okay. Yeah. Why did you make that decision? To go, to get my IUD out or get, you know, all of it. rid my body of the hormones. <laughs> Talk about all of it. <laughs> so I had a really bad Hashimoto's flare up a few years ago. And my doctor at the time said that he really couldn't even test my hormone levels accurately or it wouldn't be worth the money if I had hormonal birth control in my body because we just wouldn't get an accurate reading. And my flare, how I was feeling at that time was so bad. I was like, I'll do anything. Sure, I'll go off of it. Got my IUD out, I think, the next day. Waited a cycle, and then I was able to test my hormones. And they were completely off, but that's kind of beside the point. Um, And then I just started reading more and more about, like, what is birth control? What's it doing? Why do we all rely on it so much? Like, do we need to? And I learned a lot. Um, And I learned that birth control, we aren't told everything that we should be told about it. It can definitely prevent pregnancy, and it does a great job of that, but there's a lot more to the story. It is connected to nutrient deficiencies. It's connected to gut issues, and when we're on it, we are shutting down ovulation in our body. So, like, I shut down ovulation in my body for 10 years when I was on it, and um, I'm like, why did did I do that? That's such a needed part of the female cycle. Um, And we get a fake period. So the period that we get when we're on birth control is really just like a bleed it's not a true menstruation period so my body was out of practice from for ovulating and menstruating um or like a real period bleed for a really long time and it just didn't seem natural to me so when I started looking at um the connection to thyroid autoimmunity and um gut issues I was like I gotta start talking about this and I need to make a change and Um, so my doctor was like, you should start charting using the fertility awareness method. And I did. And we were kind of talking about this earlier, but it didn't work for me. I really didn't like taking my temperature every morning and then putting in a chart and trying to figure out when I ovulate. And, um, I didn't trust myself to make the right choices around it. So I switched to a fertility tracker called Daisy, which I have a huge blog post on. If anyone has any questions, I answer like a million questions and talk about my experience and how I got my husband on board and everything. Um, which has been great for me, the the fertility tracker. Yeah, so how does that... Okay, let me digest everything you said. (laughs) (laughs) So you went off birth control after 10 years. That all makes so much sense. Um, And I was telling Carly earlier, I went to this, like, talk last night (laughs) that was led by a doula, and I was super apprehensive because I assumed it would be for people that want to have kids, which I'm not at that point in my life right now. But it was actually really educational because we learned so much, not just about the reproductive system, but about like the anatomy of like femalehood (laughs) and like a lot of the stuff no one ever knew. It was crazy. Like, for example, you mentioned taking your temperature, your your temperature actually fluctuates based on where you are in your cycle. That's crazy. A lot of people don't know that your your, you know, menstrual cycle is tethered to the moon. Um, Like literally it's science, you know? Yeah. And so... It's all super crazy that we're not taught these things, but neither here nor there. The Daisy fertility tracker, I think probably for a lot of people is terrifying. Like, does it really work? Yep. How legitimate is this? But also, I'm curious to know where you get a lot of your information. I know you come from an incredible education, Loyola, right? Yeah, Loyola. Yeah. Um, But... In today's age, you know, there's so much stuff that's so much that's not not all of it's accurate, not all of it's real. My favorite, I mean, I've I've personally done a lot of research, and my favorite websites 
um, for women's health are is Dr. Jolene Brighton. She is a naturopathic doctor out of Portland, Oregon, who's absolutely incredible. She coined the term post-birth control syndrome, and her information is spot on. She is a renegade. I love that woman. Um, so that is a great source for women's health. I also like Dr. Laura Bryden. She wrote the book Period Repair Manual. Um, so those are my two go-to for women's health right yeah, now. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it's just so hard to find yeah, totally. Sources. And like you were saying, there's so much out there. When I've talked to my gynecologist about this, they kind of brush it off. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's because they don't really trust women to really look at their own bodies and make informed, empowered choices. Um, and I think, and I think that's a bit fair. I think a lot of a lot of us don't want to look mm-hmm. at a lot totally. of things. <laughs> totally. Know? And so there's a reason that they're like yeah. that they're more skeptical of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, I do think it's changing though. I think, um, at least in my community, which is definitely a little health bubble, so many people are making the transition to more natural methods yeah. of um, contraceptive. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Do you find that that's especially true in Austin? I don't know. I don't know if it's specifically in Austin or if it's just like our age group, mm-hmm. like 25 to 35, whatever it is. How old are you? 27. Okay. Till um, Tuesday. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm 29 until February. Okay. So I'm almost 30. Yeah. Um, but Your yeah. Saturn return. I know. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's Austin specifically, to be honest. I work with people all over the country. So I have a few, I have pr- probably half my clients in Austin and half my clients everywhere else. Is um, there a second city after Austin, or is it pretty dispersed? It's pretty dispersed. Um, but if I look on my Instagram, it's Austin, New York, LA. Okay. It's like where the populations who follow me are. <laughs> that's that's yeah. me too. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know why. Big city people. <laughs> um, it's like all the liberal, like young yeah, people. Maybe so. yeah. <laughs> like minded. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, damn it, I need to get these other people on board. <laughs> Travel. Yeah. Okay. So. I want to hear about how you stay healthy Mm -hmm. and not just how you stay healthy physically, but for me, and I think for, for quite a few people, it's very, it can be very stressful. How do you stay healthy? How do you stay calm? Um, how do you get from point A to point B and arrive at point B? Like, yes, I am ready for wherever I am. Yeah. I mean, I have to say again, like I'm not perfect. I get stressed out when I travel. My husband and I, every freaking time we're leaving for a big trip, we are running out the door to make our flight. So we've, we've tried to get better at that, but I think travel can be stressful for everyone. Um, when I get there, I'm always super excited to get there. And I, I, I have a severe intolerance to gluten. So I have to be careful where we go. Like, um, the reason I had that flare a few years ago is because we got an apartment in Chiang Mai and we're living there for four months. And I did my best to eat a gluten-free diet, but they don't know what gluten is. And, you know, for them and many people over there, they don't need to cater to gluten-free diets. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm not blaming them or anything. I blame myself. But I had a terrible flare because of all the gluten exposure that I had. So I pick places intentionally where I know I'm going to be able to eat the food. And for me alone, that really decreases my anxiety. Um, but I, yeah, I'm a big travel junkie like you are. I mean, we 
I think it's one of the reasons my husband and I are together. I've been to like 50 countries. We It's in our blood. We just booked a flight in March to go to Lisbon um, last night. Oh, I really yeah. want to go there. Yeah. I heard it's like Paris on water. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I haven't know. been. Um, but I think some of the things I do, like in terms of leaving Austin, we have strategically planned and curated our life not to have much in terms of like belongings and re- responsibility um, here. We are re- really big proponents for location independent living. So really, I could just pack a bag, get a renter in my house and pop over to wherever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a really big goal for us. And it's part of how we define our personal success. Um, and yeah, we try to live our life so we can do that whenever we want to. I also am lucky in that I don't have FOMO. Like a lot of people get (laughs) FOMO and they have FOMO. Like I just don't, I never have. So even if something amazing is going on here, I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope you guys have the best time, but I won't be there and it's okay. Yeah. That's Um, that's really admirable. Yeah. And I don't know why I don't have it. I just don't. (laughs) Um, It's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Um, but I'm trying to think, I mean, I pack my own airplane food whenever I I can just because for me that's really important like I said I'm paranoid about gluten right um I always wear noise canceling headphones on flights um that the noise pollution which is an actual term you can look it up can cause a lot of stress and anxiety and mm. I think people aren't aware of that so both my husband and I have our noise canceling headphones on we like don't talk on flights because <laughs> we can't hear each other um but we wear those I also like will usually bring an essential oil a book um a journal I don't have any major travel secrets. I have some supplements I bring. I always bring activated charcoal. I'm always doing like vitamin D. I bring L-lysine in case I think I'm getting sick. And I always Mm -hmm. do that before I fly. Mm -hmm. Um, Try to up my polyphenol intake. So lots of um, plants and colorful uh, veggies and fruits um, just to mitigate some of the radiation we're getting from flying. Um, I'm trying to think of other travel hacks I have off the top of my head. That's a lot, Carly. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of become more natural to me because I fly so much and I'm constantly going back to California to see my family or I really like going to New York where we moved to Austin from. Okay. Um, I didn't know you'd live there. Yeah. Only for a year. It wasn't a super long time, but didn't, the lifestyle wasn't for us. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. No Barton Springs in New York. (laughs) Right? I know. So those are some of my travel hacks. Cool. Yeah. How did you like living in LA? I lived in LA for about eight years and I loved it. I had so much fun there. I, four of them was when I was at Loyola Marymount in college. And then four of them after when I was an adult, when I was working at the tech startup I worked at before I kind of did my own nutrition thing. Um, and LA was fun. I got to a point where I didn't feel like I was getting very much back from the city. Like I had explored it all and I had seen it all and done it all. And I was just sitting in traffic. Um, all the time. So Austin and I packed up and left for New York City. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And what brought you to Austin? Why Honestly, Austin? nothing in particular brought us to Austin. We were both working remotely at the time, and New York just didn't feel right. We were there for a year, and we we're kind of like, I think we got to make a move. We don't get outside very much here. Our rent is crazy expensive. We live in a shoebox. I was carrying groceries around like a crazy person on 14th Avenue. Like one time my grocery bag broke and I was just like, I'm so over this. (laughs) And I love visiting New York, but living there just wasn't for us. So 
I actually have had never been to Austin upon moving here. And my husband was just like, should we do Austin? Like my whole industry's there, like digital marketing. Mm. And I'm like, sure, let's do it. I can get outside. Like, um, so we did it. We moved here three years ago and we love it. We yeah. love living we here. Yeah. We bought a house on the East side and it's been fun. We're fixing it up. It's so much more work than you ever think it's going right. to be. Oh my gosh. But we are having a really good time. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So what is your most referred or what is the book you refer to most? You go back to that book. Okay. Most. For work, um, I love The Walls Protocol. It is a book by Dr. Terry Walls. And um, it's all about the diet she used to reverse her multiple sclerosis. So she has created this incredible way of eating a and lifestyle approach for people with autoimmune disease to adopt. And it really helps the body rebalance, um, bring nutrient status back up. And I absolutely love, love, love the book. Yeah. Um, that's Quinch. the only one that's coming to mind right now. That's I okay. wish I was a bigger reader, but I'm... Aren't you a pot? You like podcasts. I love podcasts. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hey. What's your favorite... What's one of your favorite podcasts or a few? I you... love On Being by Krista Tippett. I don't know if you listen to no. that one. For, um, I'm trying to think what other like non-health podcasts uh, I listen to. I listen to a bunch of health ones. Uh, Revolution Radio by Chris Kresser. Um, Dr. Michael Ruscio's podcast. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Um... Those are the ones I listen to a lot. I also really like um, Melissa Ambrosini's podcast. I think mm -hmm. it's called The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Mm -hmm. So I definitely have my favorites. I listen to my husband's podcast a few times. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's Makes a marketing sense. podcast, so it's not super applicable to me, but uh -huh. it's fun to like hear him do his thing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So I wanted to, before we wrap up, hear your next steps. And within that, I know you mentioned that you have a hard time being in charge of yourself sometimes, which really resonated with me. Um, and you mentioned, is it Gretchen Rubin? Or no? yeah. 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 Her test. Um, yeah. The about, four tendencies test. Yes, exactly. Kind of like about procrastination and, and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so are your next steps wrapped up into that, that self-growth? Or is that something that you're just kind of aware of and working through? Yeah, I'm definitely aware of it and working through it. I'm an obliger on Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies quiz, which means that in... So am I. Yeah, oh, we're both <laughs> obligers? Yeah. So we do much better when we have deadlines, groups, people we need to please or people we need to submit work to rather than like getting stuff done on our own. So I do really well with clients because I need to perform for them. I need to get them there. And it's not around. necessarily that you're a people pleaser. Like I would say I'm not a people pleaser, but in order for me to be productive, get my work done and really like be successful, I need a team or people around me to hold me accountable. That's what it is. It's not like I, we're people pleasers. Right. So that's why the client work is great for me because I need to get them things on time with due dates. Um, however, moving my business in other directions when it's just me that I'm reporting to or me holding myself accountable, it doesn't work as well. I have like 18 unfinished blog posts in my WordPress. And Story of my life. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, I wish <laughs> I either need to hire someone to be like, all right, this is due. You got to get it done. Or I need to figure out a direction that is still client focused that isn't 
only on health. I'm trying to move away from one-on-one work and not like cutting it off, but just gradually um, because I'm finding that a few things. One, I'm only compensated for the time I put in. There's no passive part of my income, which Mm. I'd like to change. And two, food and health is great, but where I am right now is that my health has brought me to a place where I am looking for growth in other directions. So like I feel really good right now and I'm able to explore other things. And those other things are what are really interesting to me and what make me excited and um, what make me want to push the limits. So, you know, it's not even like one or two like pillars or yeah, it's more just like how can I push my limits? Like, where do I want to go? How can I manifest different things? Like, do I want to go? Do we want to go live in a different country? Like, I feel great now and um, have for a while where and that enables me to do so much. And that's why I think health is so freaking awesome is because I have the opportunity now with my health under me to do what I please and to decide what it is on this amazing earth that I want to pursue. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So if you were giving a sentence or two, piece of of advice, a little nugget to yourself when you were struggling and you were, you know, recognizing that you had this autoimmune disease and going through it. I would say (laughs) trust your body, cook your own food, and address your stress with a professional. That's what I would say to myself. Thank you so much, Carly. Yeah, this was I so fun. Really and so easy. It. Good. Just like I'm glad. Just I love having it. tea and chatting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you again. We are I can speak for many people. We are so grateful for you, not just for taking care of yourself, but for taking care of so many others and for sharing your story um and being authentic and compassionate and transparent. Thank you so much for joining us. You can connect with us on Instagram at WokeBeauty or me at Riley Blanks and learn more at WokeBeauty.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. Until next time, have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful. Oh.